Hello. Hello. And welcome to Spill the Milk. I am Morgan. And I'm Hannah. And we apologize that we have been kind of poopy lately um, and not recording as often as we usually do. So we apologize. I was yeah. sick. And then I was, I was sick. sick. <laughs> and then there was Christmas. Then it was a mess. But here we are. <laughs> and we're back. Better than ever in 2022. <laughs> but before we get started with Bonnie and Clyde, who we will finally be done with after this, also, when I say that I've been having like nightmares thinking about what I'm going to say for this, I mean it. Like every night I wake up, like, oh my God, I need to write this down. Every night. Every night. Hannah, Hannah's a detail snob, I will <sighs> say. It stresses me out. Yes, it but I want to intro our carton-sized episodes. So that was the last one that we did with the top five Christmas Four. things or whatever. Sorry. Four. We, we couldn't agree on five. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... We did that, and now we're going to start doing those a little bit more often. So that's just going to be more of a fun, like, short episode where we can just kind of screw around and have fun with it because Mm -hmm. writing a book report every week is kind of hard. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Except I don't read books because I am not good at that. So Writing a paper. paper Yeah, I would say writing a paper every week is a little difficult. It's getting there. Anyways, we're getting there. Um. So thank you, Hannah, for bringing up the carton size stuff. Yes. Also, I want to shout out Kat from Australia. Um, <laughs> we appreciate her listening. We are so grateful for her. And go ahead and text Carly right now because we're talking about you guys. <laughs> In Wisconsin, literally having the time of our lives in the cold so <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> yeah you're right but no thank you cat and carly for listening to us we we've mentioned carly in the past yes um she's been a great fan and we really do appreciate her and um cat too thank you for joining our bandwagon you milker <laughs> oh my god you're part of the milk truck yeah <laughs> oh my god morgan i'm terrible with australian accents i really am i'm all I can do is like down on the bobby. We're gonna have some shrimp. <laughs> like, Good day, mate. That's like that's the all yeah. I got. I got the most stereotypical Australian accent. Yeah, and they're probably like Wisconsin. Like, go pack out. Oh, you would know. We're. I'm a Detroit Lions fan over here. Stop! Don't. I'm just saying. I am. I am. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So no, for real, Carly and um, Kat, thank you for listening. Um, I apologize if I'm saying any names wrong here, um, especially Kat, because I don't know. Um, what else would it be? There's no E at the end. I don't know. <laughs> I'm terrible with things like that. So. Okay. Also, my last little thing here is like on that last episode, I got done saying like I am super religious. Then I went and said, baby Jesus was born in Jerusalem. I'm a liar. He was born in Bethlehem. And I even have, okay, when I say I'm super religious, I mean it. Um, Morgan can vouch for this. But also, I have a full leg sleeve of pretty much all Bible stories. And I even have the Christmas scene on my leg. I have Bethlehem on my leg. And I still said Jerusalem. 
I mean, she doesn't know where baby Jesus was born. Will you so stop? I'm never going to, like, I think about that sometimes and just <laughs> smile because it's, like, the irony. <laughs> I'm, like, super religious. Yeah. I'm just, like, super religious and Morgan's not, but baby <laughs> Jerusalem. Baby <laughs> that is all Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to live that down. Uh, that's fucking hilarious. I love it. I, I didn't suck. know any better, so I'll give you that. But I, I at least say I'm agnostic over yeah. here. So I literally was sitting in church on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and I was like, Bethlehem, come on, Bethlehem. Yep. <laughs> I fucking love it. Oh. This is what I live for. This is what I live for. <laughs> yeah. So, girl. Tell me about Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, yeah, we're just going to jump right into that. And I'm going to try and make this uh, short and sweet to the best of my ability because this is the long one. So, now, when we left Bonnie and Clyde, they were in a shitload of trouble because Clyde just shot someone. So now, they're living life on the run. Bonnie suggests they go to stay with her aunt in New Mexico. So Clyde drives 470 miles barefoot because he chopped off his toes. Morgan. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I'm just like being reminded, I guess, that I knew that. Makes me so happy. That makes me happy. That. Yeah, it's I'm great. glad that you remembered my last book report that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they drove to New Mexico like 500 miles in one day. This would have been a good idea, except when they got there, Bonnie's aunt was like super suspicious right away. So Bonnie and her new air quotes husband and their friend show up in super fancy suits, a new car, and they really can't explain where they got the money to pay for it. So she calls the cops on them right away, which I'm a little torn on that one. That's kind of a, yeah, that's a quick decision. That's like, you look a little too nice. I know. Get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) But I'm just like. Okay, lady. It's shady, but also like. Uh, I don't know yeah. if I the cops on them. Yeah, that is a little extreme, but, you know, maybe they were doing other weird things. <laughs> well, then, I guess there was, like, all kinds of vehicles that started going missing after they arrived, too. Oh, so. Okay. Yep, auntie's doing the right thing. <laughs> I guess so, but. Hey, oh, there's whatever. that cough. Sorry, I'm going to try and mute if I get, like, a coughing fit, but. I'll and try. I'll try to be entertaining during her coughing fit. <laughs> Fill the silence. I'm going to be like, anyways, keep going. Okay. So (laughs) Sheriff Johns, he shows up and he, um, when he shows up, all the guns are in the trunk of their car. So they're like, oh, we'll just grab the shotgun out of the closet at the aunt's house. And then they took Johns, the sheriff hostage. And then they're driving around. He ends up giving them directions while he's in the back seat, like just for funsies. I mean, yeah. It's a nice little GPS before GPS was a thing. They just like to talk, I think. I also (laughs) like to talk, so I can relate. (laughs) So they traveled back to Texas, and they released him in San Antonio. But by the time he got to the phone, the gang had already stolen another vehicle and was long gone. So (laughs) I'm trying so hard. (laughs) I am gonna sing a song. (laughs) Keep going, you little sicky. Trying, there's a tickle. <laughs> um, okay, so I know fun facts, so I'll just do fun facts in between. 
Okay, please do. <laughs> so then they're back in Dallas. They break into a state armory and they were able to stockpile like a shitload of guns. So they got BARs, which are Browning Automatic Rifles, which is what they're known for using. And those are way bigger than any of the guns that the cops had at this time. So um, they did this kind of often and then it helped them get all of the ammunitions that they had and that they used all the time in their robberies and everything. Mm-hmm. So after this, uh, Raymond Hamilton, we talked about him a little bit. He decided he doesn't want to be part of the gang anymore because with all these guns, he's like, dude, this is just going to be like murder from here on out. He described is... himself. Sorry. Sorry go ahead. <laughs> he described himself as a gentleman bank robber. Uh, and I'm just going to say this was what killed it for him. This, the, the guns. <laughs> well, now they have a shitload of guns. Like I, I shitload (laughs) still well up until this point they've only killed like two people yeah you know it's not a big deal i mean well i'm saying (laughs) i'm saying it's not like it's it's the guns it's not the the people it's it's well no morgan's because he knows they're gonna kill more people and he doesn't want to kill people that's okay i'll give it to raymond everybody (laughs) loves ray stop okay (laughs) so This gave Bonnie and Clyde the opportunity for them to live, like, their outlaw dream because it's just the two of them. So they're running around, and they're robbing little gas stations and stores. Then they're staying at little motor courts or, like, out in the country in, like, random houses. But they're only staying, like, a night or two and paying, like, a dollar a day for this. So it's not like they're really paying for a whole lot. They're just robbing and, like, getting what they need. But it's just the two of them, so this is, like, fun and romantic for them. Mm-hmm. But then some people just let them stay there because they want to stick it to the bi- blah, 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 stick it to the man. So there's that, too. Um, and then while they were at these country houses or whatever, Bonnie, like, she still loves kids. So she's always offering them rides in the fancy new cars that they've never, like, most of these kids have likely never seen these cars, let alone been given rides on them. So they got to do that. And then they cared so much about their image at this time that they bring their clothes to the dry cleaners and then they'd sit in the countryside and just wait for them till they were done for a couple days. So a couple days. Yeah, it's dry cleaning. They got a lot of stuff. I guess, man. I don't care about any of my clothes that much. Yeah, but they're in like suits and fancy I guess. shit. I got I got some fancy shit. I don't care about it that much. I'm I'm agreeing with you, but like yeah. they're fancy shit. Like oh, Clyde's got like silk shirts and stuff. Like they're gangsters. Clyde's like, they give me my fedora, fedora, and they have fedora. And- you saw my book, Morgan. They need <laughs> a fedora. I know that's what I'm saying. Clyde's <laughs> like, I'll just sit here in my fedora and wait for my freaking suit. I'm like, all right, and in my undies and the weeds. <laughs> right? <laughs> Is my suit ready yet? <laughs> Stop. I hate that noise. <laughs> okay, so now we're at Halloween, 1932. So this was the first of many of like the Parker Barrel family get-togethers. So so how this works is they drive through town, Clyde throws a Coke bottle into the barrel yard, and then Kumi, his mom, would call Emma and say that she's fixing red beans and cabbage. And that means the kids are coming in town. Hmm. So then they pick a spot outside of town. They have this little picnic, and then Clyde and Bonnie would bring gifts a lot of the times. So that was that. 
and that happened like dozens of times during their two-year um like crime spree i mean they have the money so why not well not all the time but when they well yeah when they're robbing at least well they suck at robbing so (laughs) (laughs) um but then all these random crimes start getting pinned down on bonnie and clyde and they often don't try to dispute them because they love seeing their names in the newspapers and in fact they'd often cut these out and then they'd leave the newspaper clippings of their names in the cars that they'd steal and then abandon them i mean yeah if you're that into yourself that doesn't shock me like not at all they were in love with the idea of it (laughs) what freaking like criminal isn't though they love that shit and i was gonna say it wasn't so much like oh we love killing people it's like we want to see our name in print so we want to be we want to we want to get the money and get on the paper yep i like it but maybe not the killing part and maybe get your money the right way but it's fine (laughs) yeah um as someone with three jobs i i second (laughs) exactly Um, So, December of 1932, we're jumping forward a little bit. FBI learns about an abandoned automobile in Illinois. I am, like, slurring my words so hard right now. Um, That had been stolen in Oklahoma. So, they were... um, When they found the vehicle, they found that, obviously, it was from Oklahoma. And then that led them on, like, a search. What am I trying to say? This search led them to... Um, the car, the original car that was stolen in Oklahoma, which they suspected Bonnie and Clyde of stealing, but then they found a prescription bottle in the car for Clyde's aunt. So that kind of put two and two together. So that kind yeah. of fucked it up. Which he and, like clearly stole that, you know? Yeah, and this uh, pretty much fucks it up because at this point, the uh, this was a federal cl- crime stealing well. car. Grand yeah. Auto is a federal like crime. multiple at this point. But, <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, but this is the first one that he can actually get pinned like with. Like link him to? Okay. Yeah. So Grand Theft Auto was the federal crime, but, you know, murder and bank robbery wasn't. Those were just state crimes. So <laughs> they could cross the border and be okay. But now they stole a car and brought it to a different state, so now they're fucked. Yeah, that seems logical. Well, it's not <laughs> like that anymore, but... I know it's not. I'm just saying. In the saying, 30s. <laughs> even then, it's like... You don't think killing somebody is worse than taking a car? <laughs> I don't know. All right, government. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the um, they did further investigations, which led the FBI to issue a warrant against them for interstate transportation of the second stolen vehicle on May 20th of 1933. So now they start traveling farther and farther for bank robberies. So likely this is so they can go to smaller states and cross the borders quicker. But also Texas had like super harsh rules against bank robbery. So there were bank robbers were worth money dead. So Damn. they you didn't want to rob a bank because you were going to get killed because you were worth money Damn. dead. Yeah. So, I mean, they did rob banks in Texas, but, like, most of them were in different states. And they go through a shit ton of banks and stores and gas stations. And, like, I'm not even going to go through, like, a quarter of them. There's so much. That's, I mean. And, like, honestly, I'm trying to go through the big stuff here. Like, 
I could not fit so much of this in, and this is already probably going to be a long episode, but there's <laughs> I can so much. Well, they're famous for a reason, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So now while they're doing this, they pick up two more gang members, uh, Hale and Hardy. I don't know their first names. I didn't write them down. But then they tried robbing a bank in Missouri, and they were informed that the bank went under the week prior. Good for them, right? Irony. <laughs> then, a couple days later, they tried robbing the Farmers and Miners Bank in Orinoco, Missouri, and Bonnie went in to case the place, which was socially unacceptable because she was a woman. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so, well, it's kind of bullshit. But anyways, at the time, like, even if a woman had, like, her own business and stuff, she went to the bank with a man. That was That's- just how it was that yep that's great it was the 30s it's okay um, <laughs> yeah, it's whatever i mean murder isn't a big deal either right. so. <laughs> I, yeah i guess a woman can walk into a bank i'm and hung up it. on it <laughs> uh, whatever but okay so this was like super suspicious then so the teller writes down all of her information right away and when they came back a few days later the teller was ready with a pistol Because he was like, obviously, that's what's going on. So he sounded the alarm, and the citizens of the town came out ready to shoot. So not even, like, the police officers, like, the citizens of the town. It makes me – that makes me think of Night Stalker. um, How (gasps) – yeah, I know. I don't like him. Stop. Yeah, he scares the shit out of me. But um, I'm not going to sleep. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, how all the citizens – That's how they got him. Yeah, Yeah. they were like, fuck this guy. (laughs) that's what that makes me think of. Yeah, I hate him. Go community. Okay. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> so they uh, only got out without a hundred bucks with about a hundred bucks. So and worth it. Hale and Hardy, uh, they left Bonnie and Clyde with about $25. And they said they were going to town to get more ammo and they just never came back. Because they were pissed. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, we're with some big hotshot bank robbers because they're in the newspapers right but it turned out to be ass <laughs> yeah no so then hamilton who had left just before these two attempts at bank robberies and he was replaced with william daniel jones on christmas eve of 1932 we're gonna call him wd from here on out so WD had been doing work for the gang, like stealing license plates for Clyde and then providing new ones every time they came back to West Dallas. And he was a close family friend, so he was super loyal, like, to the end with them. And he would literally do anything that Clyde said, which was a plus for Clyde. But he was only 16 at the time, which I want to remind you, these are all super young people. Like, all of them. Insanely young. Like, WD is 16. Bonnie and Clyde are like 20 and 22, I think. Wow. And then like, I'll talk about Buck and Blanche in a little bit, but like- Still young. Buck is like 30 and Blanche is like 23. So they're all super young. YOLO. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that age, I guess. <laughs> um. So Clyde was hesitant to accept him into the gang at first. But after he thought about how badly he needed members, Clyde put him up to a test. So he brought him through, like, an initiation. This is more like hazing. Me and Morgan are sorority girls. So 
You know all about the haze talks. Barely over here, but yes, I am. (laughs) Do you not remember like the 50 hazing? Like, Oh, we didn't do hazing. It was against the rules. Well, yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying all of the training on you do not haze and you do not Oh, my God, yeah. That was like weekly. You cannot haze. Oh, my God, yeah. Like everyone needs to love each other, kumbaya. (laughs) But one of the frats on our campus actually got kicked off the campus because of hazing. Yeah, well, that boys are boys. <laughs> and then we working. You can't I, say that. I said it. <laughs> well, then we bought their house. <laughs> See, it was a win-win. <laughs> Anyways, wow, sorry. So then, Clyde makes WD rob a grocery store at gunpoint. But when he got inside, he just shook his head like he knew he was not about it. So they got back to the car. Clyde continuously called him an idiot, and Bonnie just laughed at him. Which probably made him feel like such a man. So then Clyde made him hotwire Model A, which was like super notorious um, for being hard to start. So again, he's showing that he's being a dick and he's in charge and no one else is. So there's that. And they ended up getting caught for this um, as they took off in the car. But, um, well, they tried to take off in the car. And the nearby owner ran over and started fighting Clyde. His name is Dole Johnson. And nobody's sure if it was WD or Clyde that pulled the trigger. It was probably Clyde because WD didn't want to shoot anyone. Mm-hmm. But this man was shot dead. So Clyde now convinced WD that he didn't have the option to go home anymore, which he probably did because no one knew that he was even with them at this point. And it took seven months for the murder to get pinned down on anyone, and it ended up being on the wrong person anyways. Great. Yeah. Sounds like they really knew what they were doing. The police or the... The police. The police. Well, dude, everything... I can't even imagine being a police officer at that time. Yeah. I mean, there's probably no... So much shit going on. Yeah, there's no good way to prove it. Everyone thinks there's a gangster, and there's no evidence for anything. Yeah, right? (laughs) Hello. Sorry. The train went by. Train went by and it freaked me out. I saw a light. Doing the silent thing again. I saw a light and it was the train and it creeped me out. Okay. So, they broke Raymond Hamilton out of Easton Prison on January 6th of 1933. So, during this time, um, they went to Hamilton's house and uh, Clyde also kills Officer Malcolm Davis here. So... Um, I skipped like a ton of stuff to kind of get this into what it's supposed to be, but mm-hmm. Smoot Schmidt, he is the, uh, he takes office shortly before this and he was like super adamant about catching Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and he is known for being the one that puts out statements saying that Bonnie wasn't as innocent as everyone believed and that she was a two gun girl, which, um, many people think was kind of like a slang for fooling around Ooh. with the gang, but that's not true at all because Bye. she was like super loyal to Clyde. Like that was not a thing. Yeah, I could see that. But he wanted to like make it clear that she's not the giddy love struck girl that everyone thinks she is. So there's that. And then they were on the run again. So Although they were hot wearing cars, it was easier 
Oh, God. Sorry. Although hot wiring cars was easy, moving their whole arsenal was not because they had luggage and guns. And then um, Bonnie always carried a typewriter and Clyde always carried a guitar. Of course. <laughs> and then eventually Clyde gets a saxophone instead of a guitar and blah, blah, what blah, blah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Clyde- but your hobbies... <laughs> Well, Bonnie wanted point. to be a writer, and Clyde thought he was going to be a musician, which he actually supposedly was a super good musician. I'm sure he was, but you killed a bunch of people. What do you think is going to happen? Also, keep well, knowing Bonnie still hasn't killed anyone. I know, but she also is was there multiple times. Yes. So, okay. So then at this point, they felt comfortable that um, Bonnie started wearing heels again. So they didn't think they were going to be running and hiding in ditches and shit. So she started wearing heels again. Now, we are at January 26th of 1933. We're in Springfield, Missouri. They kidnap a new motorcycle cop. His name is Thomas Purcell. And they let him go in the countryside. Which, they do this multiple times now from here on out. They just kidnap someone, like a police officer, instead of killing them. Which... No one, they didn't want to kill people. Like, that was not their goal. So, that, like, with the, with this example and with pretty much a ton of others in the future, they'll kidnap them, drive around with them for a little bit, and then they'll go drop them off in the country and leave them without a car or whatever. That's just so have them weird. walk back to town. Yeah, that's odd. Well, they just don't want them to, like, get, they don't want to get caught and they don't want to have to kill someone. But, like, which makes that sense, also, but still. Like. And it also gives them a chance to get their name out there. Like, hey, you're with Bonnie and Clyde. Tell everyone yeah. that we kidnapped you, but we let you go. <laughs> All right. <coughs> I mean, I think for me, it's like, I, I see where it's coming from, but it's like, all right, guys, you don't got to keep, I don't know. <laughs> it's not like they're doing it for fun either. It's like. It almost cop, seems like the they cop, are, though. The cop shows up and then they're like, oh, well, we don't want to kill you, so get in. Yeah. Still. And then that gives them a chance to get in the spotlight, and they get well, to so say all these nice things about Bonnie and Clyde because you say they're not. You say they're not doing it for fun, but they're doing it to get their name out there. Well, yeah, but it's not like they just go into town and pick up a police officer. It's like they're waiting for. Like, if someone pulls up, then yeah, they'll kidnap them. But it's not like they're just driving around kidnapping people. True. Still, it's 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 weird. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, a lot of the times they would talk about how much they love Bonnie and she was so sweet and all this stuff. So it really did help them in the long run because it helped them get more popularity and then also bring them back to earth where they're nice, charismatic people. Um, okay, so now Buck Barrow's released from the state texas state prison on march 23rd of 1933 so he'd been granted a full pardon by the governor who was ma ferguson at the time she was the second woman governor of the u.s (coughs) good god and she only won um or sorry she was only the second woman governor by 10 days wyoming was actually the first woman governor I thought I'd throw that fun little fact in there. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. 
And this is 1930s, so I was shocked when I heard that. Yeah, that is a little shocking. I'd agree. And it was pretty shortly after um, women got the right to vote. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds about right. But still, I am shocked about the women governor. <clears throat> oh, no, Hannah's gone again. Um, so I don't have a good fun, oh, fun fact. Um, Venus actually um, takes longer to go around. Okay, there are days on Venus. So like them rotating like the planet itself takes longer than it takes it to get around the sun so their days i guess in a way are longer than their year so fun fact and hannah are you back yep keep them coming uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so after buck's pardon he was determined to convince clyde to come off of his life of crime and just be done with it and he did this because he was guilty for starting him down the life of crime in the first place so Clyde insisted, instead of giving up his life of crime, they're going to go on this little vacation. Um, so it's going to be um, Bonnie, Clyde, WD, and then he's telling Buck, you know, you should come with. So <laughs> Blanche was adamant that she did not want to go with them, but Buck said that either she comes with or he's going without her. So she went with but refused to take part in any of the crimes, which... Clyde promised her that she wouldn't have to, and neither would Buck, but so they went, but she complained often, and she was tasked with, like, many of the chores, but she did get to bring her little dog Snowball with. Me being like, yeah, so if Bella can't come, um, I'm not going. Yeah, that's a no for me. <laughs> yeah. So every time I say Snowball and I think about it, have you ever seen um, Secret Life of Pets? yes but i think it's that little white fluffy dog i barely remember it but yes i've seen it and okay. that makes sense snowball a white fluffy dog makes yeah, sense it's like a little ball <laughs> yep that squeaky that's what i would guess <laughs> well i don't know what their dog even looks like but that's my guess so now <laughs> they're in joplin missouri well this is where they end up going this is the next part here what was that morgan are Sorry. you watching snapchat I am not watching Snapchat Morgan. videos. I pulled up something that got sent to me. Morgan? It, it annoyed me, and that's what popped up. <laughs> I'm listening. You're talking about snowball. Rude. <laughs> it's not rude. I'm telling you, it just popped up. Popped up. I had to hear it. And here I am. I'm, I'm back. You know me. Like, you if something distracts be. me, I got to see it. Focus. I spent okay. weeks on this. Well, go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they basically went on this little vacation for like two months. They got to play house and they were like all excited that they got to live like a semi domesticated life for a couple months. So Clyde and Blanche do most of the cooking here and little crime at this time, but they do need to fund their lifestyle. So they do like small little robberies, but nothing major. And beer was recently legalized again, so they went through, like, a case a night, except Blanche didn't drink any of it. All the rest of them did. Um, they got caught up in the small stuff, and this made everyone super suspicious in this little town, which this town was already on high suspicion of, like, everything, because they thought um, there was nearby bootleggers, so already on high alert. 
And then the Barrel Gang drove these fancy cars, and there were different cars all the time. So, yeah, that's suspicious. Super suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Okay, so then we have a time when Clyde is cleaning his guns, and he accidentally shoots off a BAR in the garage. Oh, so. And in case you didn't know, that's a big gun. (laughs) Big gun. That's not just like a little. That's like a. That's like a ba boom. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big gun. So then they kept almost entirely to themselves, and they really didn't leave the apartment much. So, red flag again. So, now we're at April 12th. So, Bonnie and Clyde get in this huge fight. Bonnie's pissed that WD came back with a fancy new car that drew a ton of attention to them. Foreshadowing, because she's right. Um, bad idea. And then, Clyde tells Buck that he has no intention of turning himself into the police. Which is what Buck wanted him to do. And... Vacation's over from here. So everyone's pissed. Everyone's getting ready to leave. April 13th. Holy shit, I'm out of breath. <laughs> Might not April- make it enough commentary. <laughs> I'm like trying to read fast, but also I'm I just can't listening. breathe in the first I'm, place. I'm listening. <laughs> April 13th. Blanche and Buck, they're packing. Bonnie's napping. Like, whatever. But I'm just like... When I think about this, I'm like, Bonnie sounds so spoiled at this point. Honestly. She's got her dog. She's like, I'm thinking of her in, like, this little silk kimono because they talk about her in these little silk night dresses all the time. And then she's got, like, the fluffy slippers and stuff. Yeah. And, like, curlers. Like, that is what I'm picturing. She's spoiled. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Living the fucking dream. And she's, like, literally 90 pounds. So, think, like, teeny tiny spoiled little cigarette yeah. smoking yeah <laughs> little bonnie <laughs> um so she's napping the other people are packing and they're getting ready to head home that afternoon so wd and clyde are going out to get gas money so they're gonna rob someplace right. but they turn around and got back in the garage yeah. very shortly after leaving because the missouri state highway patrol had been watching them thinking that they were selling bootleg liquor and they had a five-man squad assembled outside. And of the squad, it was GB Collar, W.E. Grammer, Tom DeGraff, Harry McGinnis, and Wes Harriman. None of them really expected any trouble at all. But um, Clyde and W.D. began closing the garage door, and the police parked their car in front of the garage to park them in. So, DeGraff yells at Harryman and tells him to get inside before the door closes. He did, but he's met with a blast from Clyde's shotgun, and then he bled to death during the rest of the gunfight. Well, Clyde, you know. (laughs) Just doing the damn thing, Clyde. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. He's the worst. (laughs) Yeah. I would like to say, you know... Meanwhile, Bonnie's taking her nap in her silk nightgown. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So then McGinnis starts shooting through the garage door windows, and WD was either shot by one of those or by one of the um, ones by Harriman before he got shot. He died. And Clyde shot right back, and McGinnis was hit in the face, and both his left and 
left side and right arm. And his arm was almost severed from his body. Holy shit. Because, yeah. I think Clyde was shooting a shotgun at this point. Yeah, he was shooting something strong. <laughs> yeah. So Buck hears this. He runs downstairs to help Clyde out. And WD ran upstairs since he was shot and he's bleeding. Yeah. So everyone went back downstairs because obviously driving out was the best option compared to staying upstairs and getting shot out. So mm -hmm. they needed to move DeGraff's car and McGinnis's body. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Who's the one that got inside? Anyways, um, WD and Clyde push the car and Buck drags the body out of the way. So Collar fires again and he shot Clyde. But this shit hits a metal button on his shirt that's like pretty much absorbs all of the impact. No way. So it literally like doesn't even enter his body. Of course. Bonnie digs the, the button and the rest of the bullet out with a hairpin later. Like it like it God. like lodges in him, but it doesn't do anything. It's like, yeah, barely. It's like a bruise. <laughs> yeah. So it's like indented in him, but that's pretty much it. Wow. And so sad at this point, they lose the dog. Blanche runs after no. it, but they almost left her behind. But Buck scoops her into the car as they're driving away. I think the dog almost is better off. Yeah. <laughs> like, but obviously, fuck. it was scared shitless as it was running away. Yeah, I fucking would be too. Yep. So um, they have no medical supplies. So Clyde takes a tree branch and cloth. And he shoves it through WD to make sure that the bullet went all the way through. You know what WD's medicine was from here? Uh, alcohol? Aspirin. Oh, that sounds fucking nice. Yummy! <laughs> that really is going to help the pain. That's going to help a lot. I was listening to something where they said aspirin was, like, way more powerful at that point, though. Yeah, I could see that, too. Drugs. Yeah, he's probably feeling great. <laughs> So, sure shit, they left literally everything in this apartment, which is how we know literally everything about them. So, they had all their pictures from their show, from their photo shoots on this trip. This is a picture of Bonnie pointing a shotgun at Clyde's belly. Bonnie took her selfie, which wasn't really selfie, but it was, I like to call it that, with her two six shooters on her belt her foot up on the bumper of the car, and a cigar hanging from her mouth. And this picture haunted her for the rest of her life as she didn't want anyone to think she smoked cigars because decent women didn't do that at the time. They discreetly smoked cigarettes. I'm just going to say she's hanging around with a gang, so <laughs> I don't think yeah, decent still, women did that either. She's still a woman. Like She still thinks of herself still. as like a classy. Like She is classy. She is I'm going to say famous. at this point... At this point, you kind of are known for being a poo-poo. <laughs> no, they're not, though, Morgan. They're, like, everyone looks up to them. Ooh. Like, everyone's looking up to them at this point. I don't like it. <laughs> Morgan, the nation had no money. They had no food. They didn't have I jobs. I guess. They're sticking it to the man. They're stealing from the big guys. All right, all right. I'm not going to say I condone this is what I'm going to say. I know, but I'm telling you that's how it was looked at at the time. Meh. Um, so I had all of Bonnie's poems. They had all of their, all of their guns that were there. Buck and Blanche's marriage license. So this is where Buck and Blanche get fucked here. And 
Bach's brand new pardon from the governor. So they're fucked. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff that... uh, (laughs) But no one knew anything about WD, let alone who he was. That's great. (laughs) So good for him. And then they drove almost 600 miles straight back to Texas. (laughs) All right. Um, They kept moving for two weeks straight. Um, Blanche actually said somewhere that she thought of like those two weeks maybe they slept in a bed three nights like they were in the car they were sleeping on the ground like they were all over and then pictures that they found that the police found there were posted everywhere of the whole barrel game bonnie and clyde were always the focus and then their celebrity status was controversial so i guess i was a little off when i said everyone's looking up to them but most people loved them and thought of them as Robin Hood figures, but others still thought of them as like hoodlums with no respect for human life. Mm-hmm. So papers were both um, demonizing them and deifying them. So, but Bonnie, she supplied the sex appeal that helped keep them in overall good standing with the people. So there's that. I mean, I did say she's so pretty. I mean, she is. She's beautiful. Yeah. So. I don't blame people for thinking that. And at this point, they think they're like a romantic little couple just doing whatever. And Clyde's like a wannabe gangster because he's not like anything spectacular yet. Like they're in Texas papers and like now Missouri, but they're not Mm -hmm. anything like national yet. They're not big news yet. Still, I'm sure they love it. This bust at Joplin, this makes them national. But before that, not so much. Which I'm sure either way they loved it. I mean, oh God, yeah, they loved the atten- it. Attention's attention. There were play. Their faces were on, like previews in movie theaters. Yeah, they were on wanted that. posters, posters everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every newspaper in the country had them in it. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> so loved it. Um. And now at this point, since there are five people, the gang's too big for one vehicle, plus all their guns and all their shit. So they steal the car of Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone. Well, it's still Dillard Darby's car, and so they're at Sophia Stone's house. Anyways, they watch WD, take the car, they chase after them in a different car. Clyde is pissed, so he turns around to chase after them. WD in this other car, he takes off, goes wherever the fuck, no one knows. Then Clyde drives up um, on Dillard and Sophia, who were, you know, trying to get their car back. And he drives them off the road, tells them to get out. He pistol whips Darby, and then they kidnap them. So they're driving around, and Buck is drunk. He casually, a little too casually, talks about killing them. And Clyde assures them that as long as they don't do anything stupid, they're going to be fine. And Bonnie, she can't pass up a conversation, so she's asking them what they do for a living. And Darby says that he's a mortician. So Bonnie jokes that he can be the official undertaker of Bonnie and Clyde once they die. Um, I hope he was. I hope he was. <laughs> um, and Sophia said that she writes cookbooks, so Bonnie's asking her to describe all of her recipes and everything. So then when they let him out, Clyde felt bad for uh, hitting him. So he gives Dillard um, $5 for 
the mishap back there. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Which and that time was a shitload of money. I know, right? Like, all right. <laughs> so he just gave him five bucks for that. And then um Buck and Blanche um went home to briefly see her parents. But now now okay, Buck and Blanche are at Blanche's dad's house, I think. And WD catches back up with Bonnie and Clyde, and the three of them are driving around. They're near Wellington, Missouri, and the roads in this punch part of the country excuse me, were said to have been like so flat that at night the surrounding fields and landmarks and everything just kind of blend together and it's like hypnotic. <coughs> <coughs> sorry it's all good so they missed a detour sign and they flew an estimated 30 feet into a ditch and since Clyde doesn't know how to drive slow he was likely going 70 plus miles per hour in the dark and they rolled the car several times and this is actually really sad the battery like explodes and it covers Bonnie in battery acid and it actually exposes her bone Holy like, shit. Like, it melts her skin off of her leg. All I mean, of her that skin, makes all sense. Her acid. <clears throat> yeah. So, the nearby Pritchard family heard the crash. They helped, get out of, helped them get out of the wreckage, but they eventually become suspicious of this when Clyde refuses doctors. And he literally said, if she dies, she dies. And he That's meant love. it. He meant it at this time because he didn't want to get caught, but later on, he does not leave her side for, like, almost the entire rest of their lives. Like, oh. he's literally, like, glued to her. So, he doesn't want to get caught, but also, he really, truly loves her. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did go back for the guns, and one of the cousins snuck away while he did this and um, got the police. So... Clyde took the two police officers that showed up who were named Corey and Hardy as hostages. And they sat in the backseat and held Bonnie's head while Clyde dropped um, his speed to like a casual, like 50 to 60 miles per hour instead. Cash. Like a good casual speed. In the middle of the nighttime. Yeah. It's good. So Clyde let it slip here. Casual. Because he's, his ego is just a little too fluffed. He lets it slip that they are the famous Bonnie and Clyde. But now, these policemen know that Bonnie Parker has an incredibly unique leg injury. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's on the lookout for a girl with horrific leg burns. Um, but this likely saved these police officers from being killed because... Um, they, they like, held Bonnie's head in the back seat, and they were super kind to her and were, like, reassuring and, like, helping her be comfortable and everything. So Clyde was really, like, touched by that, and he really respected them. So he let them out, and then he, like, he made Buck and WD, like, uh, try – oh, my God, I can't talk – tie them to a tree, which only took him, like, a half hour to get untied and then walk back to town. So it wasn't a very good time up, but – Pretty much just so they didn't chase him right away. Um, yeah. And then for three days, Clyde worked his way through Oklahoma to Kansas because he couldn't do like a usual one of his 
500 or a thousand mile drive due to all of their injuries that they had. And somewhere along the lines, Buck and Blanche catch up with them here too. Um, pain here prevented Bonnie from sleeping. So she's like not sleeping at all right now. And then uh, Clyde goes to find this doctor who comes to inspect Bonnie's injury. And he writes her a prescription for Amitol, which she immediately becomes dependent on, which causes her temper to flare. And um, side note, this is actually a drug that many people were addicted to at the time and um, died from as a result of being addicted to Amitol or other barbiturates at the time. That doesn't it, surprise me, though. I was going mean, to say. that time. Um, wasn't Marilyn Monroe, didn't she die of barbiturates? I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was like this drug or similar drugs that killed like tons of actresses and stuff. I'm sure. Because it's a painkiller. Right. I mean, people are still addicted to painkillers. So it's No, I know. But like barbiturates aren't really prescribed nearly as much now. It's all opioids. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So there's that. But. Um, Clyde was eventually able to wean Bonnie off of the Amatol, but he had to constantly encourage her and then sometimes threaten her. But for the most part, it was like encouragement the whole time. So now, uh, June 18th, uh, Clyde leaves Bonnie with Buck and WD. He goes to West Dallas to get her sister, Billie Jean. And they were nearly caught by Ted Hinton, who is one of the West Dallas... Uh, sheriffs while he was driving out of town and after this Clyde's like fuck it we're not getting caught so he suggests to Buck and WD that they only do small jobs after being um or to avoid being caught and they still make a shit ton of mistakes and obvious ones so Buck and WD make a huge mistakes on one of their little robberies they were fleeing the scene and they got into an accident and then a nearby cop came to investigate but WD and Buck didn't want to wait until the cops made the first move. So Buck shot Officer Henry Humphrey. And then there's a shootout because there was a second cop there. And WD had a finger shot off in this gunfight. Damn then, WD. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this guy's so fucking Damn, dude. And then they did steal medical equipment um, to try and help Bonnie cope with everything. But since they spent the remaining months in the car, all of her ligaments and muscles never heal right. So she ends up needing to either hop or be carried everywhere by Clyde or WD for the rest of her life. Oh my God, I can't imagine. I say the rest of their lives, like it's a long, long time, but I we have say, to remember they're really, they die so young. Yeah. Spoiler Ooh, still, alert. Yeah, <laughs> still. Like, I can't I can't imagine needing to be carried to the bathroom or something like I don't know that would suck. But also she's like like I said, like ninety pounds at most. So yeah. she's like a child. I don't know the last time I weighed ninety pounds, like probably like <laughs> first grade. Yeah, I was like yeah, I was gonna say I was like, like nine. <laughs> yeah. Like first grade. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh>. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, they're not like us with Bronson girls, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Bear, it's true. Cheese, they don't have a lot of bread. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Love okay. it. Oh, okay. So now we're going to skip forward to Platte City, Missouri, which is just outside of Kansas City. 
this is where it gets good. As in not good, real bad. So this is not the usual place that they stay at. They stay at the Red Crown, like cabin in Mortar Court, whatever it's called. And they check in on July 18th. They are staying in the only two cabins there, which means they didn't have anyone else to blend in with. And I'm sorry, I'm breathing heavy. <laughs> they claimed to only be three people. WD and Buck hid under a blanket in the back seat, and Clyde claimed that he was there with his wife and his mother-in-law, which was obviously a dig at Blanche because he hated her. <laughs> Everyone did. <laughs> All right. I kind of like it. It's kind of like Loki. <laughs> which... I have fun facts about this later, but Clyde, Bonnie, and WD stay in one cabin as per usual, and Buck and Blanche stay in the other. Clyde, to be extra suspicious, tapes newspapers all over the windows so no one can see in the cabin. It works. And local police often uh, frequent the restaurant tavern across the street from the cabins, so... Oh, shit. Extra suspicious. Yeah. (laughs) So... Blanche was very suspicious as well. So she wore these skin-tight white riding pants that, like, fluff out at the thighs, but it's, like, skin-tight on her ass, which isn't super common in the 30s. And then she ordered meals for five people, but they said there's only three people staying there. And she paid in loose change, which is likely from somewhere they robbed earlier. That's when you, like, not eat as much. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. But they're like starving as fuck because they can't eat anywhere ever. <laughs> like they're eating out right. of cans in their car. They're eating like crackers and canned sausages and beans out of a can for like Should have thought about that before you came criminals. <laughs> Dude, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you one thing in. I'm just I'm just saying. Dude. <laughs> I am so interested in this story. I love them. <laughs> I not love them, but like love this story. I know you are. Um I sure hope so. I've been reading a bajillion pages about them. Anyways, July 19th, they sleep in late and Blanche goes over to Bonnie and Clyde's cabin. Like immediately when they get up, Clyde says that they're going to stay another another night, which is also uncommon. Oh my God, uncommon. Then Blanche goes to pay for this the room for another night in loose change. And the owner suspiciously because he knows what the fuck's going on because he's already called the cops so that he could refund the money to the group if they decide to leave before nighttime um which blanche goes to tell clyde about because she's like dude this is weird as fuck so she goes to tell him and he's like shut up like we're fine well that night the local police worked out a plan for an ambush and they got help from the kansas city police so they brought in bulletproof shields tear gas launchers and armors cars armored cars so they ran the plates on the car and they matched the car that the barrel gang was suspected of stealing and they felt this was enough evidence also um one of them had walked to the drugstore and bought stuff for bonnie's injury which the druggist then contacted the police and confirmed it even more and when blanche went to the grocery store that same day she felt that many people were like staring at her and talking about her again. Um, Clyde was like, yeah, shut the fuck up. We're fine. But around 1 AM on July 20th, the police set up their ambush. There were 13 men in this posse and they blocked the Ford V8 in the garage with an armored vehicle. So one of the men in this posse, um, his name is 
Kofi, I think, Kofi, Kofi, uh, knocked on the door and Clyde yelled, just a minute. So they started shooting right out of the cabin doors and windows and Clyde yelled for WD to start the car and open the garage, which Bonnie and Clyde's cabin connected to, but Buck and Blanche had to run out the front door because it didn't connect. So WD was too scared to run out there um, and open the door because obviously there's shitload of cops out there with guns. So Clyde ran in the garage and he opened the door himself while shooting his BAR. He's like, listen here, sit down and fucking do it or I'll do it for you. So then Clyde, Clyde shot the driver of the armored car through both legs with one bullet. So obviously it wasn't too armored. Um, like how fuck does that even happen? I was thinking the same thing. Like that's some talented shooting right there. <laughs> well, I'm saying the armored car part. It's obviously not armored if you can shoot through the door and then his legs and then through the other door. I don't. Well, I guess that's true too. But Clyde's <laughs> aim's got to be pretty good for fucking freaking out and like leaving. He's like and running and yeah. <laughs> um. So the guy in the armored car, he drives it out of the way. He's like, "Yeah, I'm fucking done with this." And they said if he had stayed in front of the garage door, they might have gotten the bear game right then and there. Um, like, that would have been the end of it. But then Clyde was able to drive out of the garage. Buck and Blanche didn't have access, so they had to run out the front door, which I talked about, which was lit up by the headlights of the other police officers. So this is where it gets grody and not good. So Buck is shot by Captain William Baxter, in his left temple, goes through his forehead, takes part of his skull, exposes his brain. We're following. Yeah, great. So Blanche, being as courageous as fuck as she is, she runs back for Buck, and she picks him up by the waist, and her and Clyde drag him to the car. So while they're attempting to drive out, um, everyone starts shooting at the barrel gang, and the back window of the vehicle explodes, and Blanche's eyes are filled with glass shards. Ow. So oh. she's screaming that she's blind and her eyes hurt Duh. and all this. Um, yeah, so the, the barrel gang's pretty fucked up. And then the officers, yeah. they really only had, like, minor injuries. Um, the only one that really got fucked up was the one that got shot through the legs. Mm-hmm. And they found, like, a bunch of morphine and syringes and stuff along <sighs> with the rest of their things. So they... This kind of sparked rumors that they were junkies, even though they weren't. That was just for Bonnie to, like, cope with her bones sticking out. Mm -hmm. So, Blanche held her hand tightly against Buck's open head wound. And uh, at this point, I wish I had a Buck in my life. (laughs) Because Buck's trying to comfort Blanche, saying that his head only hurt a little bit. Are you kidding me? This guy's fucked. I'm surprised he's not dead. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's he's comforting her. Well, Clyde told Bonnie to cover Buck with a blanket um, when they got to the gas station, but he started vomiting, and the attendant obviously saw everything, which freaked him right the fuck out because so, he saw his brains right. and everything. So they went and got hydrogen peroxide and poured it directly into no. Buck's head hole. No, no. Yeah, doctors said that this likely prevented infection from setting in and kept him alive for so long. Oh, fuck that. I don't care. Just kill me. (laughs) Like, no. Dude, you're going to be shocked. 
So then they stop outside of Dexfield, Iowa, so they could let Buck die peacefully because um, they didn't want him to die in the backseat of a car. So this was like an abandoned amusement park, but now it's just kind of a random park that people go to. And as Buck's laying there with his head wide open, WD starts confessing that he wants to give up the life of crime for good. <laughs> oh, really? Like, good plan. You just yeah. thought of that now? Yeah, what made you feel that way? <laughs> so Buck and Blanche both said they uh, thought it was a really good idea because no one really knew who he was at that point. So there's that. And then Buck is so awake still. Like, he's been conscious through, like, all of this. Fuck that. That he literally was like, yeah, I want a chicken dinner. Oh, my God. It's because so he doesn't know what's fucking happening. No, he's, like, conscious. He's talking to them and everything. Ugh. So Clyde goes to town and gets him some. But during this time, which they're there for, like, two days, I think. Um, shit. And he just, like, won't die. So during this time, Dexfield officers, um, they discovered that the Barrow Gang's there. So they get this mob together of, like, 50 people to try and catch them. But, you know, some of them, they got drunk and they needed to be sent home because they thought it was going to be fun. So can't say I never <laughs> drank a little too much in a bad situation. Right. <laughs> but so they send some people home. But now it's July 24th, four days after the Platte City shootout, the mob advances on Dexfield. Mind you, Buck's brain is wide open. Four days. This motherfucker's still alive? Yeah, he's alive. Oh, my God. Well, just wait, because he gets he up, can't he starts be running. He gets up, he starts running. God. So, someone steps on a branch, which alerts the barrel game, because they're getting ready to leave. They're cooking hot dogs on the fire or whatever. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's real. <laughs> I, I believe it. That's why it's funny. And Clyde gets shot in the arm, which they thought broke his arm from this bullet. Yikes. Um... And then they load up the vehicle, try to get out, but they get caught on a tree stump. So they start running to a different vehicle, which the mom sees. So they start shooting that other vehicle so they can't take it. So Buck, he faints while running, which meant Clyde had to either choose to either carry um, Bonnie or his brother. And he chooses Bonnie because she has a chance to live because right. her legs are like healing, like they're still pussy and, like, scabby and gross. Yeah, like, I'm sorry, Buck. Bye. <laughs> she's got a chance to live. Buck's, like, head wounds wide open. Buck, yeah, Buck so, barely has a fucking head. <laughs> yeah, so Blanche stays with Buck, obviously, which Buck tells her to leave, but she's like, no, I'm staying. So when he gains consciousness again, which he does, like, right away, um, he tells her to leave. She doesn't. So she pulled them like, she drags him, um, like, on the ground behind a log. And then the posse, like, this giant mob splits into two groups. And Blanche decided that they should surrender. So she helped Buck stand up. And then her eyes are still filled with glass. So God. someone raises a camera, which she's only able to see shapes at this point. So she thought like, uh, it was a gun. So she's having a complete meltdown, thinking they're getting executed right then and there. Right. But they surrender. That's that's that and everything. So Bonnie and Clyde and WD, they go hide in some thick brush. And someone in the mob just starts shooting in that general direction. And they hit Bonnie. But she Bonnie. must not have, like, screamed or anything. Because they talk about how, like, 
it got her like in the stomach, but like nothing really happened. Like it must have just been hmm. superficial. But how the fuck do you not make a sound when you're shot? Well, she probably is on <coughs> meds and shit. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> Sorry, that was probably gross and in. No, it's all good. <laughs> I just it was gross. Good. <laughs> okay. So somehow they unnoticeably cross this river and steal a car from a farm. And there's a whole bunch of backstory here. I'm not telling most of it. Buck dies July 29th at the hospital. So that is eight days after his head is opened. That is nuts. Like, even modern medicine, I feel like, can't do that shit. Get this. He doesn't die from the head wound. It's the pneumonia that uh, that he gets from his surgery of his chest. What the fuck? This guy is invincible. I know, right? God, still would not take the, uh, whatever, peroxide in the brain. I don't know. No, thank you. (laughs) Well, his mom doesn't buy a headstone right away because she's convinced Clyde's going to die too, so she's going to buy the same one for both of them to share. And Smoot Schmidt, he's so, like, soft on the barrows that he gives them money to travel to see Buck before he dies. Oh, my God. That probably wasn't approved by the Texas government, but... I'm going to guess not. (laughs) But he did it. He was, like, so nice to them through all of this. Stop. (laughs) Um, which, like, it's not their fault. Well, what do you mean, what's not whose fault? Like, it's not his parents' fault that he's a murderer. Yeah, that is true. Oh, okay, I'll give you that. I thought you meant, like, Clyde and them. They oh, no, 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 I was no, like, no, no, no. Fuck that. No, he was, like, giving Kumi, like, money to go see Buck before okay. he died. Okay. And, like, stuff like that. I can handle that. And, like, he would kind of avoid, like, questioning them all the time and, like, kind yeah. of just leave them because they I were can handle going that. through shit, too. Mm-hmm. But then um, Blanche has the glass extracted from her eyes. She... When she's being investigated at the hospital, guess how much she weighs? 83 pounds. Holy shit. Did you look at my notes? No, I didn't. Why was that right? 81. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Gotta go buy a Powerball tonight. <laughs> uh, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, Morgan. What? Uh, almost or close or whatever the fuck the saying is. Only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Oh, I was gonna say, I've never heard that before. But You haven't? No, I've never heard that. I say that all the time. I'm still buying a lottery ticket. Go for it. <laughs> you gotta leave your house again. Hey oh. <laughs> ah, fuck no, I'm going to bed after this. Yeah, you're right. Me too. Uh, <laughs> so Blanche tells uh J. Edgar Hoover, who's the investigator for the FBI, that um the false name of the unknown fifth member of the gang. So, she gives him, like, false names, though. Like, his pseudonyms that he was giving at the time. Not what his actual name is. So, after this, WD decides he wants to go home. He officially um, be done with his life of crime. So, he stays with Bonnie and Clyde until they're healed enough to be on their own. And then, they drop him off on September 7th. So, December 19th. Of that same year, he's sentenced to 15 years after saying he'd been kidnapped and forced to participate, which I think is fairly lax. I, I don't like that. <laughs> DW said that? WD. Or W, yeah. 
DW. I think that's from Arthur. Yeah, I was going to say, is that Arthur? (laughs) The whole time Um, I was reading that, I was like, that's Arthur's sister, right? (laughs) (laughs) She was kidnapped, brah. Um, Yeah, I don't like that. little mouse-looking thing. (laughs) He actually does, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, he actually does his interview with Playboy, and that's how we know a shit ton of this information. Oh, okay. So, (laughs) Um, So, meantime shit tons of stuff is happening little robberies they're making good money but like um not like a shit ton but like better money than before they're kidnapping police officers a couple times driving all over going home every couple weeks um there's roadblocks and police ambushes gone wrong and obviously members of the gang are in and out like all the time as usual so now we're January 1934, Waldo, Texas. They help engineer the escape of four or five. If you look at different sources, it says four and five. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, prisoners. So January 16th, 1934. Um, one of the prisoners they help escape is Raymond Hamilton, who was previously a member of the gang that Clyde did not get along with, but he had been wrongly imprisoned and sentenced to life for the butcher murder which Clyde and his like fucked up thinking was like no he does not deserve to die for that so we're gonna break him out because that's what we need to do even though I don't like him but he was serving sentences totaling more than 200 years yikes (laughs) so that guy's not seen the light of day so he's one of the people they break out and along with him is also Joe Palmer Henry Methman and Hilton Bybee they were supposed to break out Ralph Fultz, who was um, Clyde's longtime prison friend, but he got moved, like, the week before they set this whole thing up. Ooh. <laughs> so, could not. So, that's why Hilton Bybee got out, because he took Ralph's place, because he was friends with Ralph as well. All right, well. <laughs> so, um, two guards were shot by the escaping prisoners with automatic pistols, which had been... Um, put in like a ditch by the barrel gang also i would like to add the whole movie the highwaymen takes place from here to the end of our story now mm. it's all within like a couple weeks well i shouldn't say it, it was like five months but it's all like super compact so if you watch that this is where it starts um <laughs> one of those um guards dies and then as the prisoners ran barrow clyde he's covering um their retreat with like machine gun fire so from here um henry methvin becomes one of clyde's closest recruits and he even attends the parker parker barrow family get-togethers with them and then yeah so he's like real close like clyde trusts him with everything so now at one of the family gatherings, Clyde was actually the one to suggest that Bonnie stays home um, instead of Emma Parker. It's because the laws, as they call them, are so close on their trail, like they know they're going to die, know it. But um, his suggestion <laughs> to clear her name was that he can write a letter saying that she had nothing to do with the crimes. That'll help. Yeah. <laughs> After they've been known as Bonnie and Clyde for how long, that'll definitely yeah. help. <laughs> yeah. So then everyone knew this wouldn't work and Bonnie refused anyways. So they finished their picnic and they say they'll come back. Um, I did skip a shitload of stuff in here, but now we're on Easter. So they say they'll come back in a couple days for Easter. 
Okay. Now we're on Bloody Easter. Bloody Easter. Bloody. So, Bloody Easter, or Easter Sunday, 1934. Um, Joe Palmer is still with the Barrows, and so is Henry Methvin. So, Clyde sends Joel Palmer to hitchhike into Dallas so he can tell um, Henry about the family gathering and that he wants him to meet them out by the great grapevine. I don't know if that's an area or road, but they were parked out there. So it's Bonnie, Henry Methvin, and Clyde sitting in the car. Bonnie's playing with this bunny she bought for her mom for Easter. Oh and my then God. <laughs> she names him Sunny Boy. I'm starting to relate to Bonnie more than I thought. <laughs> I know. I was kind of fearing that too a little bit. I was like, ooh. I'm made by a lot of animals. <laughs> I'm not so much the animal part, but just like the really chatty, like likes yeah. to drink. I'm going to talk to anyone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and may have bought a lot of animals too. I mean, that's a nice little sprinkle on top. Oh, no. I was saying me talks to anyone will oh. <laughs> likes to drink. <laughs> um, I just like the animal part. But Bonnie and Henry, they're sitting there passing a bottle of whiskey back and forth. Bonnie chews on bits of lemons to hide the scent from her mom, which is like a known thing that she does. And then Bonnie and Clyde also felt so comfortable with Henry there that they just napped while they were waiting. But Henry was super jumpy and aggressive to begin with. And then adding likely, oh my God, adding alcohol likely didn't help. So... (laughs) Jesus Christ, I can't talk. Nah, you're doing great. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to talk fast. I literally had like 16 pages of notes. I only have like two left. I can't oh. believe that. <laughs> Sarcasm. Keep it down the down low. <laughs> Jesus. <You know. laughs> Morgan has like four pages of notes and I'm out here with like 14 every time. You're a detail snob. What can I say? <laughs> I am. I need to get better at it. <laughs> Keep okay. going. So around 3.30 in the afternoon, these three motorcycle cops pull up on this country road. There's Polk Ivy, who's a senior officer, 26-year-old E.B. Wheeler, and 24-year-old H.D. Murphy. This is his first day on the job as a motorcycle cop. Oh, that sounds fabulous. (laughs) So Ivy, he drives further down the road, goes like through this intersection, whatever, not thinking anything. And Wheeler notices this fancy car just down the road. So he wants to go check on it. He motions for Murphy to follow him. Again, no one ever thinks anything bad is going to happen here. So they're all casual when they ride up. Wheeler, he leaves his shotgun on the bike. Murphy didn't even have his loaded. So... Clyde sees him coming, and he talks, he leans over and says to Henry, let's take him, meaning we're going to kidnap him and drive up the road and drop him off like they've done tons of times before. But Henry wasn't with him when they did that. So he thought, let's take him, means let's kill him. So Henry shoots Wheeler with his BAR, kills him instantly. Clyde Now he's like, well, we can't fucking kill one and not the other. Like, we can't just do that because he watched us kill this guy. So now he's like, well, we got to do this. So he walks up. He's pissed at Henry, but he walks up to Murphy and shoots him with a shotgun. There's a couple driving nearby, and they watch one of the men roll over one of the officers and then shoot him several more times. But a more colorful neighbor told reporters that Bonnie 
had delivered the last shots, which was very unfortunate for the gang because this is the story that the newspapers went with. And this, she has been like one of the only things holding them really together that she's this charismatic, sweet girl that's like romanticizing them. She's attractive. She's making them relatable, attractive, and reasonable. And now that everyone thinks she's this monster, everyone turns. So, to make it worse, um, Murphy, that first day on the job guy, he was supposed to be married in a week. And his fiance wore her wedding dress to his funeral, yep, which made that's... the nation hate the Barrow Gang. Yep. I could see how that makes it not yep. great. <laughs> yep. So, there goes the romanticism <sighs> of it all. Yeah. Which, that's... she did not shoot this guy both based on what Clyde told all of his family members, what the couple that was driving right there said, like, it was the taller of the two men walked over and shot, which would have been Henry. I mean, either way, it's not a good situation. No, but going back to Bonnie never killed anyone, but right. that's the more colorful story that was told. Right. And that really fucks them because there's no hope for them then. Well. I mean, mm. yeah, not that there should have been a ton before that, but there was. So now Texas puts money on the dead bodies of the shooters. And there had also been a posse of Texas lawmen following them for quite this time already, quite some time already, which consisted of um, former Texas Rangers, Frank Hamer and Manny Galt, and then two of the Dallas County uh, or sorry, Dallas Sheriff, Deputy, whatever they are. Um, <coughs> Bob Elkhorn and Ted Hinton. So those four have been on their trail for a long, long time now, like months. Um, so now we're going to fast forward, like, uh, I think two weeks. So we're in Bienville, Louisiana, which is where Ivy, excuse me, Henry Methvin's parents and family live. So his dad, Ivy, and his mom, Ava, um, and then all of his siblings live there. They start hanging out in Louisiana like a ton to the point they're real close. They buy Ivy land, supposedly. There's no, like, documents of this, but Ivy tells everyone that uh, Clyde bought them land and that um, Bonnie and Clyde actually want to buy land of their own out there. They're talking about having um, their parents buy land out there, like all this stuff, like they are comfortable. They want to be comfortable. And Hamer tells everyone, you do not let anyone know that we are watching them. And you do not let anyone know that we know they're here because we want them to feel safe. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Especially, I mean. Yeah. Well, they've been, they've been following them for like six months now, like literally following them. Yeah. I like, mean. Like, they're date, like, couple days behind them. Like, they're, like, on their trail. Good for them. I'm actually a little impressed. Yeah. I mean, it's still, like, a huge, long process, but, but it's still, still much it's faster than, like, a lot of stuff you see even today. Right. Um, but anyways, so the local police with Frank Hamer and the local police who also has contacted the FBI, but the FBI is, like, really slow to respond to a lot of stuff which they were aware of bonnie and clyde um and i'll talk about it a little bit at the end of my little fun facts but um 
Bonnie and Clyde are like a huge reason the FBI is a thing. They're like one of the first really big cases where um, the FBI is like, this is why we have this to like follow them over all the state lines and everything because they're yeah, national criminals. It's kind of cool. I know it's interesting. Yeah. I think that's the part that I like so much is like how it all connects. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so they're dealing with them. They set up a deal with Henry, Me- or excuse me, Henry Methvin's dad, Ivy. And they say if they agree to help, Henry will be free of all crimes in Texas. Hmm. Which he was in jail for like attempted murder and assault and like things like that. Yeah, seems reasonable. Because he was like <laughs> trying to steal this car and then he beat the guy and then would have killed him, whatever, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so there's that. So Ivy, like super hesitant, obviously, is like, okay, I guess if my boy's going to be off the hook here, um, we'll do it. So it is Wednesday, May 23rd, which there's a lot of stuff happening in between here, but I'm just going to cut to the chase. By the way, that's my birthday. Hey, yo, May 23rd oh, over oh. here. Hey, yo, hey, yo, hey, yo. Well, they're going to die. Okay. <laughs> yep. Sorry. <It's> my birthday. <laughs> so, Wednesday, May 23rd, 2 a.m., they start setting up this blind off of this, like, road on the way to Ivy Methvin's house because they're supposed to come pick up henry methvin because they got separated that was the plan if they ever get separated come pick them up at the methvin house it'll all be okay so plan is they're gonna pick them up around 9 a.m so it's 2 a.m they're all setting up their guns there's six guys now the four i named before and then two local bienville parish something or another's sheriffs deputies um so one of them is I just typed his name. Prentice Oakley and the other, I think his last name is Jordan. So there's those those two. And then um, they have shitloads of guns. They all have sidearms. And they are fucking ready. Ready. So 9 o'clock rolls around. They're not there. So they're getting nervous. Oh, also part of this plan that Ivy was like pissed about is they made him pull over on the side of the road, take his tire off of his vehicle, and they knew Clyde would pull over and stop to help him get that back on. Aww. So that was their whole thing. <laughs> and he's like, what if they shoot? What if you guys shoot me? Or what if they shoot me? And they're like, well, do it. Well, then you're dead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, like, well, if you don't, uh, your, your boy's going back to jail. He's yeah. Like, oh, fuck you guys. You're fucking pissed too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now... Um, they're running late. There's a whole backstory for this, but anyways, it's like 9.15. They're pulling through, and they pull over, put the put the car in, well, not in park, but they're, like, idling there to help Ivy, and they're asking him if he needs help, but before Hamer, Frank Hamer, the guy in charge of the whole hunt, can offer a chance for them to surrender, which was a big contra- um, controversial thing. I can't talk of whether they were going to let him surrender or not. Um, because they stated over and over and over, they will not surrender. They will not surrender. Um, so, and they'll kill, they'll, they'll kill cops, obviously. So, before they even gave him a chance, this young deputy, Prentice Oakley, he starts shooting because he thought he saw 
Clyde raises gun. But he shoots Clyde in the temple, and he dies instantly. That's the first bullet that's shot. Wow. Then his foot slips off the clutch, and the car begins to roll forward. Holy and shit. from like real slow, but like roll into the ditch because so obviously, Bonnie's like my fucking yeah. leg. <laughs> um, which she was like hopping at that point, but she couldn't ever really walk. But she's in the car, so um, they said that um, Bonnie had like her scream was so shrill and loud that these men had nightmares about it for the rest of their lives. Well, I mean, they just killed the love of her life. Uh huh. Well, and she's like rolling into a ditch. <laughs> well, a lot going as, on. As she's rolling, as the car's rolling, the posse of six men puts more than 150 rounds of bullets into the car and Whoa. into those two in 16 seconds. Holy shit. That is and, insane. Um, they say through, okay, so this is a quote from the book. Throughout his 102-day pursuit, Frank Hamer often declared that he was reluctant to kill a woman. Like, that was their concern, and that was very much a concern of, like, many of the lawmen, was that they did not want to kill a woman. Well. Yep. That, that happened, so. Um, so then, they called a wrecker to come get the car, and people up, uh, people ended up out on the road where all of this happened and they were trying to like pull them out of the vehicle so finally the wrecker brings them um into arcadia nearby town of about three thousand people normally but once people found out that bonnie and clyde had um died and were being brought there there's now sixteen thousand people in this city holy shit and um yes so there's all that, and then there's all these, like, true crime people that are, like, there's people literally trying to cut off Clyde's trigger finger, trying to I'm cut sure. off his ear. There was literally women that reached their hands in and cut Bonnie's dress and cut locks of hair out of her head, and they're oh, all bloody fuck. and gory, and, like, they're described as looking like wet rags when they're driven through town. It makes you wonder where, like, some of that stuff is now. Well, their bodies were, like, on display, Ooh. and- they once they were embalmed which i don't have any of this in my notes this is all memory um the embalmer guy he actually had to spray people with embalming fluid to get them out of the freaking um wow mortuary holy shit not the right word wow home whatever we're calling it yeah i know what you mean but yeah so there was that happening and then someone snuck into that funeral home while they were naked on the autopsy table and everything and took pictures, and those pictures ended up in the newspaper. Holy the naked shit. dead bodies. Holy fuck. Yeah. I can't imagine. And then, sorry, I'm trying to... I, I thought I found the numbers before, but then I was talking to you before this, and I don't think I found it. They right. were saying that... Um, it was said that, like, 10,000 people showed up to Clyde's funeral, and then... Someone else said that 20, it was either 15 or 20,000 people showed up at Bonnie's. I can't imagine. Like, nowadays, that would be insane. Yep. And, um, like, police had to step in 
at Clyde's funeral because there were so many people. Someone offered Henry Barrow $10,000 for his son's dead body. What the fuck? Then the car that they were in, someone bought that and actually traveled with it around the country doing like shows at fairs and stuff. And get this, Kumi and Emma Parker went on tour with that car. Yeah, you know what? That doesn't surprise me, though. That's fucking people. (laughs) Because they needed money so badly. Right. But they were so traumatized by it, they all ended up quitting. But now the car is at some bar and grill in Las Vegas. No, not Las Vegas. Nevada. I think it's like Las Prim. Las Vegas is in Nevada. Prim, Nevada. It's Prim, Nevada. Okay. Yeah, that was a lot of syllables. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Um, and then poor fucking Kumi, she's over here thinking, like, she admits that she said if she and Henry had spent more time with their kids, things might have been different. Can you imagine taking that on as a mother? No, I'd be like, I don't think things would be fucking different. I think there were some issues. Yeah, but can you imagine feeling guilty like those were the issues you created or something like that? I. I- I know you'd feel that way, but, like, at the end of the day, what were you going to do? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Okay, so we're just going to quick run through victims and then talk about the two movies I watched, and then I have a couple fun facts. And then we'll be done, promise. So, (laughs) the first victim we had was Ed Crowler. Screw that fucking guy. He doesn't even count. Like, that's fine (laughs) that he was murdered. I'm going to say it. (laughs) That's the one that was raping the shit out of Clyde. Oh, that's right. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Then we have John Butcher. He died over about $1,500 in his store. That was Ted Rogers that shot him. He's the one that looks like Raymond Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And that's why it got pinned on Raymond Hamilton. Then we have Sheriff Eugene Moore. This is at Stringtown, that dance that they went to. That was August 5th, 1932. He was working for extra money. Didn't see it coming at all. But Clyde was physically seen pulling the trigger on this one and attempting to kill Sheriff Maxwell, too. Then we have Doyle Johnson. He's the one that um, came out of the store when Clyde and WD were trying to steal his car in Temple, Texas, either shot by Clyde or WD. Malcolm Davis. um, This was at Raymond Hamilton's house while they were trying to um, get the escapee after his prison break in 1933. Um, And he was shot by Clyde. Wes Harriman, he was a police officer that was shot in the Joplin shootout. Harry McGinnis, he was the Joplin shootout. Henry Humphrey, Humphrey was shot by Buck after their small robbery um, in Alma. Major Crossan, he died in the Eastern Prison Break. He was the one guard. Wade McDab- Wick- McNabb, we didn't talk about him. He was the only premeditated murder. Um, as the gang, what after the gang was made, other than Ed Crowler, but that doesn't count. Um, this was just before Bloody Sunday. We didn't talk about this, but this was like a similar situation to Clyde and Ed Crowler. He was a building tenor that had been assaulting Joe Palmer during his time at Easton Prison, and Clyde empathized with him. So while he was on furlough, they took the opportunity to kill him, and no one knew that Clyde and Joe were actually the ones that killed him until years later when Ralph Fultz um, said something. 
And then um, we have E.B. Wheeler and H.B. Murphy, H.D. Murphy. Those were the two officers killed on Bloody Sunday. And then Cal Campbell, didn't talk about him, but this was after Bloody Sunday. He was um, rushing out of his vehicle with his gun um, when the barrels were stuck in the mud after Bloody Sunday. And then his partner was kidnapped. And when he asked Bonnie if she had anything to say to the reporters, she said, tell them I don't smoke cigars. <laughs> All right, Bonnie. <laughs> but again, he liked her. Everyone that was kidnapped liked her. Liked her. I mean, I know it's just funny like that she's so caught up on that, which I, I get it, but still. That was, well, classy women didn't do that. I know. She's so classy. Okay, so we're going to talk about Highwaymen movie real quick. I watched this again last night. So this has Kevin Costner. I love him. Woody Harrelson. Love him. And Kathy Bates. Um, this, I think, like, as a movie, this is a very good movie. It's not necessarily historically accurate for everything because they show Bonnie walking around. They show Frank Hamer as this, like, I don't know. Like, it is accurate in some cases, but... It shows them as, like, psychopathic, like, killers. That's the goal. But also, like, a shit ton of, like, the little tiny details, like, what kind of car they were driving and, like, the little itty-bitty things they, like, nailed on the head. Um, And this starts in 1934 with the Eastern Prison Break. um, And they talk about the woman governor of Texas a lot, how the media is, like, glamorizing Bonnie and Clyde. She literally says, did Robin Hood, like, kill a whatever for a dollar? Or I think they said, did Robin Hood kill a gas station attendant for $4 and whatever cents? But that's exactly what it was. Like, she had to, like, drill that in their heads that they're not good people. And then she had to bring back the Texas Rangers, which were pretty much cowboys, to hunt down the bear gang, which pissed her off because she defunded them. So then... Hoover and the FBI are getting involved, and um, they're talking about upgrading everything um, as far as tactics, firearms, everything like that. They joke about wiretaps a lot in this movie. Um, the like big focus of this movie is that Bonnie and Clyde always circle back home, which is huge. Um, <laughs> and then one of the scenes that really stuck out to me is this scene with Henry Barrow. And it's Hamer talking to Henry and he's in the shop and he says, I know y'all have to kill my boy. He's past the point of redemption. It's not your fault. He wasn't born with a dark soul. And then they're talking and talking. And um, he says that like, he didn't really have a choice. Like he, he's not saying he didn't have a choice, but he's saying like, he kind of went into the life of crime because he felt like he didn't have a choice because he says he stole a chicken and from that day on they dogged him. So then Hamer and Henry are talking about choices mm-hmm. for a long time. But that was one of the scenes that really stuck out to me. Um Yeah. Um and then there's the nineteen sixty seven Bonnie and Clyde movie, which I think nails more of like how Bonnie and Clyde felt. Like, they were running around having fun. Like, 
they weren't doing it to kill people. They wanted to be adventurous and steal money and, like, be on the run, like, that kind of thing. They weren't doing it to be hardened, like, psychopathic killers. So this movie is more of, like, a light, fun version of that. But I feel like this one is less accurate than the other one, which I'm probably going to get a little hate for. But um, this starred Faye Dunaway and Warren Betty. No, I said Beatty. Beatty. His name's Warren Beatty. And this was written by Warren Beatty. Uh, and this movie, it also looked like they were in like their 40s and they're all supposed to be in their early to mid 20s. They all look like full grown fucking men. But in this one, they also like create different characters. Like C.W. Moss, he's supposed to be like a cross between D.W. and Henry Methvin. Um, and then. Um, so even in like in like how they died like they totally saw it coming in the movie in the 1967 movie versus in real life they kind of didn't um and in real life it said that bonnie was kind of fond of blanche but blanche did not like bonnie's smoking and drinking much and in the movie, they, like, hated each other. Um, in the movie, uh, Clyde is, like, Bonnie and Clyde meet because they're trying to steal. Clyde is trying to steal Bonnie's mother's car, and she walks up to the window, like, naked. And she's like, oh, I'll be right downstairs. <laughs> like, it's Normal. so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. And then they just go on this date and start stealing shit. Hmm. Um. This movie was Gene Wilder's debut movie. Thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, fun fact. And then, yeah. And then a big thing in this movie is that Clyde, according to them, is uh, has some kind of erectile dysfunction. Oh, why would you um, put that in there? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently the original film was written to include like a threesome, with like another gang member i'm assuming the guy that's supposed to play dw but that was far too racy for 1967 so they just said clyde's (laughs) impotent so which then (laughs) that works something else that i heard said that they had to like warren Beatty and faye dunaway had to like make an agreement not to have sex on the set or something like that oh I thought that okay. was odd, but like yeah, I could that see that weird. happening as well. Yeah. Um, and then in the movie, they also make Fred Hammer look like this big dumbass, which I don't know. Like they kidnap him and they handcuff him, and then Bonnie kisses him, and he like spits in her face, and then they like throw him in the lake. Oh. <laughs> yeah i don't know sounds nice i don't know i'm kind of mad i paid four dollars for this movie yeah, it seems like it <laughs> but yeah and then my fun facts here i'll be done in a second so bonnie and clyde actually kidnapped their mortician for a brief period of time that's why i was trying not to say anything when he said i hope he was oh he I, I love that <laughs> that is my dilly, favorite part <laughs> dilly derby was actually their undertaker nice (laughs) love that for him um and then the barrel gang members were not consistent so like when i think the barrel gang i think like oh it was a gang that was together for two years or three years or whatever 
nope, none of them were consistent. Mm, that doesn't came and went. Uh, Bonnie wore her wedding ring from Roy until the day she died. Mm. Seems odd considering how in love with Clyde she was. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. But, yep. But okay. <laughs> um, Bonnie and Clyde were actually a huge case that helped create the creation, helped in the creation of the FBI, which we talked about. Yep. Um, Blanche was actually kind of pissed when they made the 1967 Bonnie and Clyde movie. Because oh, whatever, Blanche. And number one, they portrayed her as like a crying, dramatic, and scared woman. And number two, she was portrayed as being like an old, dull woman. And in reality, she was prettier than Bonnie. Oh, really? Yeah. And one of the podcasts I was listening to, last podcast on the left, they said that Blanche looked more like Faye Dunaway than Bonnie did. Oh, okay, Blanche. I see ya. So I'd be pissed as well. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, God. I'm not kidding. This lady looked like, you know, the, uh, I don't want to be rude, but like, you know, the little homeless lady from Home Alone 2? No, or, I've never, is I've that never the, seen that. Is, no, wait, it's not Home Alone oh, 2. Oh, it's the, the bird lady in The bird New lady, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in Home Alone 2, right? Yeah, that's in Home Alone 1. The bird lady? Yeah, he goes to the park. Oh, I After he has that two. church scare or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. The bird lady. Anyways, yeah. that's kind of what she reminds me of. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like not Faye Dunaway. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, whatever I'd Faye Dunaway looks like nowadays. <laughs> well, Faye Dunaway at the time. Well, I know, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, ooh. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so during an attempted prison break, which we didn't talk about, they mentioned that red lights are bulbs red light bulbs meant that the law was lurking nearby and this was well known by everyone in west dallas except for the law oh um and then a lot of the information that we know um comes from an interview that wdu did with playboy in 1968 and also from kumi blanche billy jean bonnie and emma's journals i mean that makes sense yeah i'm kind of glad they left those behind I mean, it's yeah, and then that huge bus in Joplin that helped too. Mm -hmm. And then Clyde actually wrote a letter to Henry Ford explaining his love for his fine cars, which was published in many papers. I mean, okay, <laughs> thanks, guy. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, he's probably like, thanks. Yeah, he's like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bonnie had told Henry Methvin's sister that she was pregnant. When they were staying in Bienville Parish before they were killed, which Ooh. is not thought to be true. There's no evidence of that. But Ooh. she likely said it because she wanted to have kids and Henry's sister was pregnant too. Oh, so she's like, yeah, well, I'm pregnant too, bitch. Yeah, she just wanted to. <laughs> Needed that and attention. I will end this with the last little tiny bit of um, the story of Bonnie and Clyde that Bonnie wrote. It's a way long poem, but it's just this is just the last little bit. Um, so it says, Now Bonnie and Clyde are the Barrow Gang. I'm sure you all have read how they rob and steal and how those who squeal are usually found dying or dead. If they try to act like citizens and rent them a nice little flat, about the third night they are invited to fight by a submachine gun rat-tat-tat. Someday they will go down together and they will bury them side by side. To a few, it means grief. To the law, it's relief, but it's death to Bonnie and Clyde. Wow. 
I mean, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, she like wrote it how it fucking was. Yeah. And it was kind of like well written. I, I know. I she actually, I actually really like that poem. I'm not going to lie. She yeah. wrote a lot about like current events in this poem too. Rock on, Bonnie. But she was Your wrong about traveling one thing. typewriter. Emma did not let them be buried side by side. Um, Buck, kinda... Buck and Clyde were buried together, and Emma said that Clyde had Bonnie in life, so she was not going to let him have her in death. Oh, okay. I yep. feel that. <laughs> so, there we go. That is the story of Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde. Clyde. <laughs> I liked it. Dude, it I good. might have a shot. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> And the classic end of night shot before bed. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so sorry. That was a really long one. I'm so sorry to everyone. But thank you for sticking with me. You did it, kiddos. I read Milkers. so much. <laughs> thank you for reading my book report. That yeah. was when I say I wrote 39 pages of notes. I don't know how you do it, but man. Three, between three episodes, that was 39 pages. Yeah, I write like seven, and I'm like, yeah, this might be a two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I tried so hard. No, you did good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Rock on, If Hannah. anyone wants more fun facts, please text me if you yeah, have number. Like, I'll give you all the fun facts. <laughs> I know everything now. <laughs> or send us an email at podcast.spillthemilk at gmail.com i can send you all sorts of fun facts <laughs> or you can reach us at spill the more wow spill the milk underscore podcast on instagram or spill the milk podcast on facebook yeah 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 but with that i think are we gonna do a goodbye, goodbye.